The seventh commandment says, Thou shalt not kill, which means you will not take the life of another human being. Life is the greatest gift that God has given us, and the master of life and death is God, our Creator. So, we do not have the authority to take anyone's life. In Deuteronomy, uh, the sixth commandment is often, is actually interchanged with the seventh one. In Exodus, we have uh, do, not, do not commit adultery first, and then we have do not kill. In one of these books, these two are reversed. We're mentioning this, uh, it's an observation uh, that we will make if we study these books, which goes to show that Moses did not, did not really have an explicit order to keep the exact and the absolute order of these commandments. Uh, we mentioned that the two categories of the commandments, in the first category, the first four, come before the other six. The first four pertain to our relationship with God, and the last six pertain with our relationship with other people. So we'll follow the uh, order that St. Gregory Palamas, the Archbishop of Thessaloniki, uses, and he uses uh, for the seventh commandment, do not kill, or thou shalt not kill. The first man-killer, the first killer from the beginning was the devil. We read early on in the book of Genesis that God told Adam and Eve, from the day that you eat from that fruit, you shall die. And the devil heard this. He heard it. And he did all he could to deceive the first created people to disobey God. When they disobeyed God, they died. They died. Which means killing someone does not only refer to the body. And even, even though today human law incriminates someone who kills the body, you put them in jail, however, many times people that kill the soul, they let go for free. 
But in the word of God, it's the same thing to kill the body or the soul. The person that kills someone's soul is also a murderer. And that's exactly what the devil did. He killed the soul of Adam and Eve. And the death of the soul is not nihilism, as many people may think. There's no such thing as nihilism. We do not go back to zero. Nothing that was created will go back to zero. So the death of the soul is not the uh, extinction of the soul, but the separation of the soul from God. So when Eve ate, and then she also influenced Adam to eat, they were instantly killed. They were separated from God. They died spiritually. And the devil was waiting. He says, well, I want to kill these people for real, but they're still walking around. So he's waiting until they both die physically so he can be done with them because he cannot stand the fact that these people, these human beings, they have the favor of God, which he lost. So he has this murderous jealousy against these creations of God, and he wants to see them extinct. But after a few years, he's waiting for them to die, and now he almost has a conniption because now he sees two little atoms walking around. He can't understand this. So now he works again to destroy the human race by influencing Cain to kill his brother Abel. He wants to do this because he wants to destroy the, the plan of God, the plan of salvation, because he heard in the garden, he heard this prophecy. The first gospel is actually found in the second chapter in the third chapter of Genesis that's the Proto-Evangelion or the uh, first gospel the promise that somebody will come someday that will crush the head of the serpent and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the enmity will be between the children of the woman. The woman is the Theotokos, the Virgin Mary. And her son, her son, will be born once again for us in a few weeks. In a few weeks we celebrate the incarnation of the second person of the Holy Trinity. And the son of Mary will crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent, the devil, will bruise his heel. He'll put him to death for a few days. So the first killer is the devil. And St. Gregory Palamas comes to say, do not kill so you will not fall from sonship. Do not kill 
because you will no longer be the Son of God, but you will become the Son of the devil by your actions. Do not kill, because you will fall from sonship. Again, we cannot take the life of another human being. We cannot murder. Because life is God's great gift, and we have no authority to take the life of another. Life is, cannot be created. Life is transmitted. We don't create life. We simply have this method that God has given us, and we transmit life from one person to the next. Just like a candle. We hold a, a candle at the, uh, our beautiful Easter service. We have the, the candle, and we use one candle to light the rest of the candles. The same way, life is just like that. We live, and then we pass this flame to another person. We don't create the flame. We simply pass the flame that exists. Life is like that. So since God is the master of life, he is the only one that has authority over life and death. In Kings, in the book of Kings in the Old Testament, the Bible clearly tells us the Lord gives life and death. So life remains an inexplicable mystery. But once again, life is inexplicable and unsearchable, and the creator of life is God. The master of life is God. And he comes to tell us that we should respect human life. We should respect human life, and it's a commandment a commandment that we need to obey, and it is not something simple, as we will see in this session. Uh, it is not as simple as just taking a gun and killing someone. There's many, many different types of murder, and all of us in here have been murderers one way or the other. So do not kill, so you will not be cut off from sonship. And we said that the devil was the first man killer. Now here, Christ in his gospel will reveal to us the depth of Christian ethics which depth most of us cannot accept. Because philosophy today will tell you that it is your responsibility to defend yourself. You have to defend your property. And we have uh, the NRA today that, you know, you can carry guns. And of course, you're going to carry a gun, you're going to use it. And, uh, you know, if you make an atomic bomb, you make it so you can use it someday. You don't make it for no reason at all. I think World War II proved that. But the ethics of the gospel is much different than the ethics that we have today in our Western thinking. And when we say Western thinking, I'm not talking about the United States. The whole world today is influenced by the Western mindset, the Western mindset. 
the high ethics of the gospel cannot be easily accepted today. And Christ says, towards the end of the Sermon of the Mount, if anyone wants to take your cloak, to take your coat, you're supposed to punch him, right? Right, Costa? Yes. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go two. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. It's not easy. Slap us. Even if they look at us the wrong way. Even if they don't say good morning to us the right way, we begin to boil inside. Can you imagine someone slapping us and we turn the other cheek? Not easy. Not at all. Of course, people who are very impatient, they say, oh, this is not acceptable. How can we accept this? What do you mean, not defend my property? He stole from me, so I'll punish him. We want to punish right away. But if we look at it from the spiritual eyesight, we will see the beauty and the depth of the gospel. St. Gregory Palama says, an insult causes a shove and a push. And a push leads to a blow or two. And then we advance to picking up objects and hitting each other. And then we end up murdering. So Christ comes to cure again the root of the problem. You'll be surprised if we study the uh, seven deadly sins at, at some point, you will see that murder is not one of the seven deadly sins. And you would think that, would, that should be the first one. Murder is not one of the seven so-called deadly sins. <clears throat> anger is anger because the root of all murders is anger. anger. And Christ says, you heard in the Old Testament, eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. And again, we have to understand why Christ, who was the lawgiver in the Old Testament as well, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Christ before the incarnation was the one who gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. So the same person of the Holy Trinity is speaking here again, but the people were not ready. He is, he says that the law was a training ground for the people. He was trying to raise them slowly. Because back then, if somebody took an eye away from your brother, you didn't just go for an eye. You wiped out his whole family. If somebody killed 
one of the family, they went out and they killed a whole clan. Do you remember what happened to uh, one of Abraham's, sorry, Jacob's sons? His, Jacob's sons, Dinah. Dinah went outside. She went for a walk. She was not careful. She was abused by an idolater, one of the neighbors. Uh, he influenced her to go to his camp, and then uh, he had relations with her. And then he went back, and he said, well, we love each other. We need to get married. And Jacob was extremely upset that she did this. And he says, well, let's work things out. To make a long story short, two of the brothers waited. Abraham, uh, I'm sorry, J uh, Jacob told a couple hundred of these people, look, uh, the only way this can happen is all of you have to be circumcised. And then the marriage can take place. The two brothers that were boiling from anger, they went behind their father's back, and while these men were circumcised, and that's a minor operation, but it can be very, very painful. There was no painkillers back then. They were incapacitated for a couple of days with this minor operation. These two brothers, they took all the people of Jacob, and they killed every one of those people, every one of them. They wiped out the whole city. That's why in the law of Moses, the law says, eye for an eye, okay? You cannot become any more spiritual, but if somebody causes you to lose an eye, stop after you take one eye out. And again, it means it's allegorical. If somebody takes something from you, take something from them. If you kill one of their animals, then take one of theirs. Don't go and waste the whole flock. But here in the New Testament, where we have the perfect law, Christ says, anyone who becomes angry with his brother for no reason is guilty of hell. Anyone who calls his brother Raka, you fool, you're stupid, you are guilty of the fire of hell because you are actually insulting the image of Christ in that person. You're insulting the image of Christ in that person. So we have to fight anger. We cannot get angry. St. Gregory Palamas will tell us that if you feel, if you do not have the gift of meekness, meekness means to never lose your temper. means that no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens, you always come. If you don't have this gift and you get angry, like all of us, and you feel inside this change, at least run and apologize to this person. You had it out, you had an argument, go quickly. I'm sorry, I lost my temper. Apologize very quickly. That way 
You will not go to step two, step three, step four. Remember the different steps of sin and passions that we were analyzing a couple weeks ago. So again, the ethics of the gospel are much different than our Western and philosophical ethics. And we will see that if we simply stay calm, if a person is threatening us and they're yelling at us, or they want to hit us, if we simply do not raise, and believe me, this is not out of weakness, it takes a lot of strength to sit there and not fight back. If you simply stay calm, now is that person going to start hitting you? And if they hit you once, would you kill each other? If they see that you're not fighting, they'll call you a few names and walk away. But you accomplished something. You saved your life and his, or his. I was six, seven years old. I will never forget this. And I was not very aggressive, but there was an aggressive kid on the village. He was a very strong kid and very short too. But he was strong and he was trying to fight everyone well he grabbed me and i was uh at some point i was a little bit bigger than him and he fell he hit his head on a stone blood was coming out when i saw the blood and again i was not guilty of this he started it i ran to the mountains <laughs> and i came home at night only to find out that the teachers were looking for me and everybody was looking for me. But I also had a friend 20 years ago that hit a guy, he was defending himself, hit a guy on a basketball court. Court. The guy fell back, hit his head, and he died. He did 10 years in prison. Involuntary manslaughter. And the problem with a murder like this is if the guy was not prepared, we discontinued his life at a point where he had no possibility to repent if he was not ready. So it is possible that we killed his soul as well because we gave him no, no time to repent. So why, do you see why our saints never defended themselves? Out of love for the other person. It says, okay, I'm ready. I'm following the gospel. But if this person is not ready and I hit him and he dies, then I caused the salvation of his soul. These are the ethics of the gospel and not to take a gun out and blow his brains away just because they want to take something from us. In Victor Hugo, in Greek or Hugo, I guess in English, uh, you heard, is a French playwright, one of his best, uh, one of his best works is uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And, Les Miserables, I believe. He also had another one called John St. John. And John St. John, 
uh, was a criminal. He was in jail, and he just came out and he wanted to visit his ex-bishop, I guess one of the, the bishops. He visited him and the bishop was very nice to him. He says, John, you're out of jail, come on in. And uh, he fed him, very nice to him. They had an excellent conversation. And John, who was fast-handed, he repaid the bishop by stealing one of the silver uh, candlesticks, candle holders, put it in his pocket and he took off. Well, back then, they didn't need uh, any kind of a cause to investigate. You know, the, uh, uh, the police was watching him. He just came out of jail. So they searched him and they found this silver piece of silver candle holder in his coat pocket. And they asked him, where'd you find this? Oh, I was just with the bishop. He gave it to me. Oh, great. Well, let's go back and find out if the bishop gave it to you. So they go back. And uh, he said, your grace, is this, this is yours? And he says that you gave it to him. What should the bishop, what should he have done at this point? You crook. You're ungrateful. I fed you. I was so nice to you. And this is how you paid me back? That's what we would have done, right? The bishop says, huh, John, you only took one. I wanted you to take both of them. Here, take the other one too. When the police saw that he gave him the other one, they left him go. And John St. John took the other one too, and he walked away. Costa is laughing. But a few days later, John St. John came back and he turned his life over to Jesus Christ and reached sainthood. I'm saying this because a few days ago, somebody who's sitting in this class called me up, called me up, and he says, I heard the tapes of St. James, but you know, I just don't agree with this part right there. You say somewhere that the slaves should not be looking for their freedom. And in Corinthians, St. Paul says, if you're a slave, don't be too concerned. Don't be too concerned. Uh, if you have been called married, stay married. If you have been called uh, a slave, stay a slave. Just be concerned, be concerned about the heavenly kingdom. And the question is, should slaves look for their freedom? Should the uh, Greeks not look for, the, uh, for their freedom from the Turks? Is this what the gospel is saying? No, that's not what the gospel is saying. You see, we always think with our Western mindset. That's not what St. Paul is saying. St. Paul is thinking with the mind of Christ. And if we are patient and we ask, and this person asks, which is good, then we can find out the true meaning of the Word of God. See, 90% of the people back then were slaves, but not slaves. They were not a slave from another country. It was slave labor. Today, we're employees. We have employers and employees. The form back then was slave labor. Can you imagine the civil, the civil unrest that St. Paul would cause if he, if he would give 
the motto, slaves become free, all of a sudden you would have rebellion all over the land. It would cause havoc. So he says, stay the way you are. Just become free inside. Become free in Jesus Christ. Do not be impatient. The rest will take care of itself. You're a slave. If you are Christ's slave, doulos to Christu, slowly you will change your master. You will make him Christian. And then he will let you go all by himself. And that's exactly what happened. A few decades, a few centuries later, when everybody became a Christian, slavery was basically abolished. The right way, and not by guns. We will mention very quickly a few forms of murder. But usually, the act of murder is caused by anger, where someone picks up a knife or a gun, or in the case of Cain, he picked up a stone or a piece of wood and took the life of his brother. Another form of murder is suicide. Suicide is murder. We kill a human being. We kill ourselves. Suicide is a heavy, heavy sin because once again, it's premeditated, we plan it, and we do not have an opportunity to go to confession. With all the other sins, you go and confess and you become absolved. But you take your own life, you're sacrificing yourself to the devil. Now we do have special cases where a person may be uh, under the heavy influence of alcohol, again, or drugs, or a psychological illness, and the church is very understanding in those cases. But I remember in our village when uh, somebody hanged themselves, and you know they were not all that ill. The church refused them a burial, and usually that's the case. If someone usually takes their life because of uh, a catastrophe, or yeah, usually it's a person who cannot handle cannot handle his situation in life. And let me tell you, it is not its cowardice. So suicide is murder, and we must mention that euthanasia, euthanasia is also suicide. Euthanasia is suicide. It's premeditated murder. Unfortunately, there is legislation right now, I don't know what's going on, I guess, Kaburkian was going in jail many, many times. Uh, I know that there's much legislation that's taking place. And I suspect uh, it will not be too long in the future, 10, 15, 20 years from now, 
where people will actually arrange, will arrange their funeral. Not just the way you arrange it today when I want to die, I want this casket and that plot. And not like that. It will simply say, if I reach a certain age and I see that the strength of my body is leaving me, then what I'm going to do is maybe on the day that I'm born, we're going to decorate a room. And I heard this from a person. We're going to decorate with flowers, and then I'm going to have my whole family come in, and they uh, bid me farewell. And then after that, I'm going to have my doctor, and the doctor will simply put me to sleep. People are thinking like this. Why? Because of materialism, because of uh, ignorance and because of the inability to cope. You see, we are a society of weaklings because we have been used to comfort. We want everything comfortable. We don't want any pain. We want to be a pain-free society. And we want to preserve our dignity. We want to preserve our dignity. I want to die with dignity. I don't want to you know, lose the functions of my organs because I will get messy and then people will have to clean me. But don't you understand? That's what, that's what God wants because he wants us to be humble. He wants some humility even in those last years because without humility we cannot see God. And he wants the other people around us to show love and come at those crucial times. But no, we disobey the commandments of God. And some people, they even use all kinds of uh, rationalization for this. They simply say, well, you know, I, you know, I have some funds and, uh, you know, I don't want my funds to be exhausted. I would rather die since I'm sick anyway. Why should I spend fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, you know, in these hospitals? Let me kill myself, and then we can give this money to good causes. No, you are disobeying the commandments of God, and you're putting the good of people over the commandments of God. Remember, the first commandments of God are first. Love your God first and obey his commandments. The rest of it is secondary. Abortion. It's murder of a human being. The elimination of the unborn fetus is premeditated murder. There are news out there about an abortion pill and at this point somebody can go to their family doctor or guest once or two or three times and they can do this act of murder and the wrath of God will not be long because the souls of these children are crying up to God <clears throat> The act of war also goes against the commandment of God. We go to war to kill people. 
the act of war goes against the commandment of God. Again, the law of God is a bit different than the law of the country. And yes, you will be put in jail if you ask to defend your country, you don't. If you're asked to go to war, you will, because you live in this country and you have to defend this country. But be careful. If you kill someone, you will come back. You will confess it because you took the life of a human being. Yes, you're a patriot. Yes, you got a medal. Yes, your country is thanking you. But also, you took the life of a human being and you need to go to confession. And the confessor will give you a penance. And Saint Basil says, be careful. If you kill someone, even in war, you cannot become a priest. You cannot become a priest. When we take the life of a human being, our conscience does not let us rest. I believe the person, I don't know his name, uh, the person that uh, let the uh, the atom bomb go. Was it a hydrogen bomb or an atomic bomb? I don't. Uh, it was the 9th of August, I believe 1945. He was only following instruction. I don't know if he was given a choice or not. He was a pilot and he was instructed to let this bomb fall. And he did his duty. And 40, 50,000 people died. He came back. I'm sure he received honors and a medal. He could not rest for the rest of his life. He couldn't. He probably went from psychologist to psychologist to psychiatrist. They could not help him. Eventually, he killed himself, committed suicide. I'm just wondering, what if he would go to an Orthodox priest to confess? Because see, only confession eliminates guilt. Guilt does not come out by psychology or psychotherapy. Only God can forgive sins. And God can take away this burden. Maybe the result will be different. But once again, even though this person was doing his duty, uh, he received awards, he was a hero, he ended the war, maybe they rationally told, listen, you saved, don't worry, you saved millions of souls, millions of people, because if the war would go on, many, many more people would be killed. However, he could not rest, which goes to show that even if we kill in war, we still have the burden of this sin, and we need to confess it. Again, we will defend our country. We will not, the Jehovah's Witnesses go to the other extreme, and they will not carry a weapon no matter what. No, we will defend our families. But we will not go to other lands to protect our lifestyle. That's going a little bit too far. We can defend 
ourselves. And yes, we can try to get our freedom against the Turks because they're trying to make us Muslims. That was not the case with the slaves early on. Another form of murder is smoking, drug, and alcohol abuse. Of course, smoking does not kill the body right away. However, it shortens the lifespan of a human being. It shortens the lifespan. Drug abuse, you see these things in the newspapers every day, what drugs do to people. And alcohol abuse, of course, it destroys the liver and it shortens people's lives. Drug abuse especially not only destroys the body but the soul as well. People that experiment with drugs, once they become hooked, eventually they destroy their brain. And if the brain is fried, how are you going to repent? Sometimes in the streets of Allentown, I see some people and I get the urge to talk to them, you know, about orthodoxy and I want to talk about Christ and the gospel. And uh, sometimes I do and sometimes I just keep my mouth shut because I know for a fact, because other people tell me that these people smoke, they do drugs. You cannot have a conversation with these people. Their brains are semi-fried. When you lose the use of your brain, how are you going to repent? How are you going to be able to study the Bible? You can't. It's very, very difficult. So drugs destroy not only the body, but the soul as well. Another form of murder is the pollution of the environment. When we fill our streams and our oceans with chemicals and industrial waste and our fish are full of mercury, all these things cause diseases and they shorten the lifespan of people. Also, when we make our workers work in unsafe and hazardous environments, this is also something that goes against the Seventh Commandment. Also, when we introduce unsafe byproducts in human or animal food, companies in the past instead of putting the, uh, the right materials in some pills for the yellow fever in Africa, instead of putting the right chemical, they were putting flour, causing thousands of people not to be cured and die. Also today we have the crazy cows 
crazy cows. We don't want to throw anything away. You see, we measure everything by the dime. We want to save five and a half percent from our net worth or our, our net proceeds. So what do we do is we take the intestines of the cows, we take uh, their uh, pancreas or the brains, we take all these things and we grind them together and we mix them with other kind of products and then we feed them back to the cows because we don't want to waste anything. And uh, these animals become diseased and then the diseases go to people. I believe it was on a, another scare like that a few weeks ago in Greece and a few years ago in England and some of the European countries. Of course, right now, they're losing millions of dollars because of this greed. Also, we are guilty of this commandment when we exhaust ourselves mentally and physically. Again, out of greed. When we are driven my friend, work like a human being. If you feel real strong, work 9, 10, 11 hours. But if you see that you're exhausted and you cannot walk, why are you working 15, 16 hours a day? You're injuring your health. Another form of murder, and the husband said that uh, forks and knives have killed more people than both World War I and II combined. Gluttony, gluttony. When we constantly eat, we eat. And of course, <clears throat> when we're bored and we have nothing to do, we open the refrigerator because we have learned not to be active. We sit on a sofa, television set, and we keep eating. And yes, if you're working out in a farm, and uh, you, know, you are doing physical labor, you can eat a lot and it doesn't bother you. But if you don't work at all, then obviously you cannot be eating the same way as people that work manually. You have to reduce the intake. Heart disease, all these diseases are caused by overeating. Another form of murder <clears throat> that we can kill ourselves is by wanting to be fashionable. You know, we try to use slim fast. Well, there's another type of fast, the fasting of the church. It is much more effective than this, this slim fast stuff that people take and all these pills. And St. John the Chrysostom gives the recipe. It's not enough to fast from foods and eat five, six plates of beans or whatever fasting food we have. St. John the Chrysostom says, stop when you're not totally full. If you, if you, let's say, fill up yourself, you're not sinning, but it's not a virtue either. If you overeat, you're sinning. 
St. John says. But what he recommends, and what the virtue here is, you try to eat a little bit less. Stop before you're totally full. Another thing that we need to mention is body piercing, especially tongue piercing. I, I don't know, whenever I see that, I get the shivers. I mean, I, I don't know how you know, these young people can go through this where it's very, very painful, I'm sure, to have somebody sit there and put holes through your tongue. And uh, I'm sure there's many, many infections that go along with this. But it's a fad, and when it comes to peer pressure, and when it comes to uh, you know wanting to attract and attract attention, of course, even a little bit of pain doesn't matter. Unfortunately, these things are un unhealthy, and then they go against the word of God in the Old Testament. So as we can see, there are many, many different ways that we can be guilty of this commandment. And we cannot go to confession and say, well, I don't have anything. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't steal anything. Believe me. If we search, if we search, we will find ourselves guilty in these areas. But we also mention that we do not only have the murder of the body, but we also have the murder of the soul. We can actually kill someone's soul as well. And even though the law will grab us, if we harm someone's body, most of the time these soul killers are free. And they become very successful. And they gloat. We kill the soul when we entertain passions. As we sense sin separates from God, and whenever we have these passions and we do not fight them, of course, we will eventually kill our souls and the souls of other people. Passions like anger, jealousy, greed, they can cause the death of other people, but also our own death because a person who's very, very jealous, they suffer. They hurt their own health. And we see, we see people that become green with envy. These are terrible passions that we need to fight. A master had two people years ago. And the one was extremely greedy. And the other was jealous, very jealous. We're talking about psychopathic conditions. And he had a gathering. And he says, uh, let me invite those two servants just to do an experiment. And he tells both of them in front of all these people, I will make an offer. And whatever the one chooses, the other one will take double. Whatever I do to the first person, the second one will get double that amount. Of course, the greedy person, being greedy, he said, well, let the other one go first. So the jealous one went first. 
he made his offer again, the master, and then the bile began to pour out of this body of this very, very jealous person. He became green, and he announced, take one of my eyes out. So the other person will have both of his eyes taken out. That's sickness. <coughs> sickness. That's why when we feel jealousy, any kind of passion like that, we have to fight it very, very quickly. And even in children, when we see that, I guess, when we see that they become jealous with each other, we have to work and teach against that. It's a horrible passion that destroys the health of these people. The people that are, are always angry, the people that are always uh, temperamental, they ruin their health, first of all. We kill people's souls when we slander them. We also kill people's souls when we allow scandals to happen, especially in the church when we allow scandals. And Christ says, scandals will come, but woe to that person through whom these scandals will come. It is better for that person to tie a millstone on their neck and jump off a boat. In other words, suicide, of course, will be punishable, but it would be less, less punishable that someone who causes the loss of a soul of another human being. The teachers that teach you that homosexuality is okay, it's a normal lifestyle. The homosexual activists, suicide would be much better for them according to the words of Christ. And not just them, anybody who scandalizes a soul Someone who tells a young child that Christ doesn't exist, or Christ was just a prophet. Atheistic theories kill the soul of people. You get them to go away from God. Pornography of all sorts kills the souls of people. All people, not just young people. Don't be surprised there'll be people 70 and 80 and 90 years old because this passion does not go away very easily. It's a very difficult one. And of course, pornography is not just in these magazines that people buy. You see them in your grocery stores. Cosmopolitan, in a lot of these magazines. All right, they're not totally nude, but their wording and what they are teaching, it might as well be pornography. And all the commercials on TVs today, the merchants of the earth, they know that sex sells, and that's what they're selling. Everything for a profit doesn't matter that they're destroying the youth, but it sells. Their programs sell. So commercials are more expensive. 
So again, greed, the passion of greed, translates into other passions as well. So as we can see, this commandment is not as simple as we thought. It covers a plethora of things in our lives. Next week, we will cover the commandment, do not steal. And that will be our last lesson until January 18th. In the month of January, we will finish the final two commandments. Any questions? I know we took a little bit too long. I have a question. Um, for someone to um, be souls most likely you see uh, because the the one person lost their faith in the gospel but you had something to do with it I had something to do with it my actions pushed that person to that limit okay so that person lost their salvation so they are responsible of course you know they are responsible but I'm also responsible as well. You see. Yeah, we are responsible for our actions. Of course. But also, but, I scandalize that person. I scandalize that person. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you, I mean, someone uh, I know in Greece somewhere. Okay. Uh, especially, you know, not a, not every priest is a saint. We know that, and you know the. the Temptations are everywhere. Uh, a young person, when they see that a priest or a hierarch, when they see someone sin, now they're weak as it is, but because they see uh, a person of the cloth sinning, it destroys their faith. Okay. Now it doesn't mean that if, if the priest repents and later on, you know, they reach holiness, God forgives every sin. And the other person, you know, they were scandalized, but later on, you know, they they came back. Again, all these sins are forgiven. But if that person dies in their sins and they never came back, you see. See, I have no, let's say that I go out there and I, scan, I sin horribly tomorrow. You know, most of everybody here is strong enough to say, well, he's a human being, he's sinned. But one person who's looking for an excuse anyway might say, look, uh, he was teaching and he did this. I don't want to ever go to church again. Okay? And that can happen with a priest or anybody who's, you know, involved with the gospel. 
Now, if that person never recovers, then when I go to hell, I will find that person and I am going to be responsible for that person as well. Because I help push that person one step down. And that's true with every one of us. Yes. We go through life and we push a lot of people down. Yes, that's why we repent every day. That's why you go to confession every month, every couple of months. We can't just go to confession once in our lifetime and say, well, I didn't kill anybody and, uh, you know, I didn't commit adultery. We will see, I mean, we spoke two weeks ago that even if you look at a person with desire, the sin is already committed in the heart. So we are all have committed these sins. And if we have a spirit of repentance that, yes, we all have committed murder. We all have called our brother stupid. We all have got, got angry at him. So if you get angry with him, you begin the process of murder. Okay, you didn't pick up the axe, but you were only you're a couple steps away from that. You know, you were in the area of murder when you lost your temper and you could not control yourself. God protected you at that time, and you didn't finish the act. You see, it's it's uh, that's why we have a long way to go. This is very very serious. God protected you, and you did not reach to that very serious level of healing. And this is the secret. If we pray, if we preach the gospel, if we try and want to be godly, people of keeping the law of God, then even if something happens, and we lose God is protecting us that that's a very very strong point